Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I will be your host for today's show. On the show today, I'm going to walk you through a couple case studies of vehicles I've had recently, um, some module issues uh, that have been a little uh, tough to pinpoint it, what exactly the cause is. And I'm going to do it a little bit differently in the fact I'm going to give you the majority of the tests that I did to both of these vehicles, but I'm not going to give you the answer as to what fixed it, at least not yet. I will obviously release that in the future, but I'm going to walk you through basically everything I did on both of these vehicles, all the symptoms and the tests I performed and what I observed. And what I'd like to hear is your ideas or your thoughts on what you might have checked in addition to what I did or what direction you might have taken when you were in the position that I was in. And I'll explain more as I go, but... Uh, what I'd like for you to do is after you listen to this episode, hop on the Facebook group and there's a link to that in the show notes if you're not part of that group. And under the post for this particular episode, um, I'd like to hear what direction you would have gone. What else would you have tested? Uh, where would you have gone with this? What module or problem <laughs> would you have called? So again, it's two vehicles, both kind of strange, maybe strange isn't the right word, but just uh, unique kind of different issues that was tough to pinpoint down. That's why I was called into both of them. And they both relate to control modules. I mean, I guess just about every electrical problem we have on vehicles nowadays does. And that's kind of where the shop had an issue determining, you know, where was the actual failure here? Um, is it a control module, you know, wiring issue? If it is a control module, which one? Because <laughs> um, their their guesses, and that's exactly what it was. They were guessing at what might need to be replaced, but they wanted to call me in to give them the for sure answer of what's actually failed. So, you know, and we run into this quite a bit in the field where we have a control module that has a fault, has something wrong with it. But we have a tough time determining, is it the fault of that particular control module, right? And I had an episode all about this. It was episode 47, if you want to reference that, how to call a failed control module. And if it's just dead, like it doesn't communicate, it doesn't do anything, it doesn't turn on at all, it's usually pretty easy to call a control module after making a few basic checks. But when this becomes more difficult is when you can communicate, you can use a scan tool to actually talk to the module. It does turn on and run at least some or most of its functions correctly, but maybe one or a couple functions don't. And it, it's going to do everything else right except for this one operation. And then it makes you wonder, okay, is it 
the module or is it else something else that's causing the module to act the way that it is um and that's where it can get a little bit more challenging and both of these vehicles uh, fit that bill where i could communicate with these modules uh at least most of the time on one of them um and they would operate some of their functions what seemed to be normal but uh, then there were other functions that weren't. So I'm going to go into detail on both these vehicles and you'll understand where I was at with both of them a little better. So these both happen to be Chrysler Dodge vehicles. Um, the first one was a 2009 Dodge Journey with a 3.5 liter V6. And the shop called me in to look at this one um, because what would happen, one of the most noticeable symptoms they were having with this vehicle is when you would go to start the engine and you're cranking, you know, the starter is operating, it would intermittently, uh, I say intermittently, but it was consistent enough, the starter would just drop out, meaning that it would stop cranking over the engine. It would just release and then it would grab again, maybe make a rotation or two of the engine and then it would release and it would do this. And eventually you could start the engine. But again, it would just be like crank, 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 stop, crank, 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 stop, crank, 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 stop. And it was almost rhythmic in the way that it would do it, but it wasn't perfectly rhythmic. So that was the first symptom. The other symptom that they reported that this vehicle has is once you do get it started, once the engine is actually running and you go down the road, transmission is in a limp home mode. Uh, meaning in this particular application, I think all you get is second gear. That's the highest you can go and that's it. Um, so two different problems. They're not sure if they're related, but obviously the customer is in there uh, to get them both problems diagnosed. Um, you know, one thing that I always consider when I have multiple problems, I, I ask, you know, did these occur at the same time, right? Did all of this start happening at the same time? And they were not 100% on that, uh, but they assumed that they did. Um, and irregardless, I'll keep both problems in mind as I go through. But when I have multiple issues, what I like to do is just stick with one until I find the reason for that particular problem. Stick with one thing on one path and Maybe if I get lucky, but it seems to happen quite often that if I find the solution to one problem, I end up finding the solution to multiple issues. So I'm going to do that here. I'm going to focus in first on just the cranking issue, the starter dropping out while the vehicle's attempted to actually start. Uh, scan the vehicle for codes. Of course, we want to do that in all system DTC scan. And there were some codes in here, but honestly, nothing that was relevant or helpful to the diagnosis. And I was kind of surprised by that, particularly for the transmission limp mode. I figured there would be some type of code, um, but there wasn't anything in there. It's like, well, maybe they cleared codes out of here and I would have to drive it to get codes to set for that. But like I just mentioned, I'm not going down the route of the transmission. I'm just keeping that in the back of my mind. I'm going to tackle this starting issue first. It's going to be the first thing I go after. So Again, no relevant codes in the vehicle to help me with this particular diagnosis. One of the first things I did on this vehicle was just from personal experience with Dodge vehicles in this era. And I've actually had an episode on the podcast before where I talked about this with, uh, I believe it was a Dodge Nitro um, that 
one of the ignition coils was causing a spike to the PCM to get it to basically stall at an idle. And we replaced the ignition coil and fixed it. And I've also had this in the past with the Dodge Ram. This is a long, long time ago uh, that I ran into this, but it was only cold. You'd go to crank it and the starter again would just stop dead in its tracks and you'd have to cycle the key and then you could, it would turn over again and you might be able to get it to start. You might not. Um, this it was a little different, but I remember the starter just stopping dead in its tracks. And what we ended up finding out on that one, again, it was an ignition coil uh, that was spiking the PCM. We were able to isolate the ignition coil, unplug it, and then it would crank over normally and start and run with a misfire. Um, anyways, I always have that in the back of my mind from these vehicles because the two times that I went through it, uh, it was a pretty challenging diagnosis to get there. And usually the ones we struggle through with, those are the ones that really stick in our memory pretty well. So I'm thinking about that only because I mentioned that the dropout almost seems rhythmic, right? As I'm going to crank it, it goes, stop, stop. And it's not like it's not like a dead hole with compression. I mean, the starter stops operating for a brief period of time, maybe half a second or so. So what I'm thinking, my thought process here is, well, what if this is an ignition coil that is spiking the PCM, which would then drop out the crank signal? Totally possible, right? Um, and I'm kind of just going on a hunch here, and I just want to eliminate this as a possibility. So what I did was I opened the hood, I look underneath, and luckily all the coils on this engine are easy to access, at least the electrical connectors. So I just quick unplug all the coils, just six coils, boom, 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 unplug it, crank, I get the same thing. Okay, so that's just step one. And and again, I was kind of going on a hunch. I didn't have a whole lot to lead me in that direction. I just wanted to eliminate it because... Uh, that was the first thing I thought of is that maybe it's a single coil that's spiking the PCM because these coils are direct control from the PCM, meaning that there's two wires and they go right to, to the PCM and the PCM handles the whole amperage of that coil, but it's also exposed to any flyback voltage that the coil produces after the spark. And normally it's equipped to handle that, but when the coils become damaged and i guess i can't speak to exactly what happens they do have the potential to send a voltage spike to the pcm which will kind of knock it out reset it and again experienced it before not what we have going on here so i'm going to move on past that plug my coils back in and now kind of approach this with a more structured test plan right Uh, let's actually (laughs) tackle this thing in a logical manner so the first thing that i want to figure out is my starter relay, which side of the circuit is dropping out, right? And what I mean by that, there's a control side to the relay that's going to activate a coil inside the relay to close the contact points. Am I losing something on the control side or is something happening on the load side for the solenoid? Um, The actual power that goes down to the starter solenoid is something happening there. Oh, and I should mention, because I didn't do this, the shop had replaced the starter, had a brand new starter in it, had positive and negative cables replaced. 
Um, and these would go down to the transmission. One went to the body for the negative cables, positive cable goes down to the starter and they actually overlaid the control wire to the starter as well. So they they had made some attempts to fix this starting issue. And I think they were tackling it as there's something wrong with this starter because it keeps dropping out. Well, all this new stuff and it hadn't changed. Now it doesn't mean that all that stuff's good, but I did want to mention that there were some parts replaced on this, but again, I want to look at this relay and see what side of things am I am I losing function on? Is it the control side or the load side of the relay? And this starter relay lives in the tipum under the hood. It's the underhood electrical center, but it's the it's the totally integrated power module, um, smart fuse box, whatever you want to call it. Anyways, the starter relay is in there and what I'm going to do first is monitor the control side. And I just want to see, is this relay turning off during the time that the starter drops out? So I'm looking at power and I'm looking at ground and I use one of the little relay testers in order to connect to the relay while it was actually plugged in and while I'm cranking over. And what I find is that I lose the ground side control for my relay when this happens, when it stops cranking. Okay, so we're on to something. It's on the control side. And it's kind of what I figured after everything they had done on the load side of the circuit with the starter and the cable and the overlaid wire. But I wanted to make sure, and I did, it is on the control side and it is particularly the ground. All right, so again, this relay just plugs into the tip um. Now I need to look at a diagram a little closer and figure out where does the ground come from for this relay and also where the power comes from, but that doesn't really matter too much at this point. And a wiring diagram is going to show me that the tipum actually powers up the control side of the relay and the PCM powertrain control module is going to ground the control side of the relay when a crank signal is sent. And so that's where my ground comes from is my PCM. And so that's the direction that I'm headed. See, okay, where, why are we losing this ground? So my next step is I'm right there. I got to go about a foot away from the tip um, and the PCM is mounted uh, very close to the brake booster near the firewall. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to back probe the pin for the circuit that provides ground to the tip um, in order to ground the control side of that relay. And I want to see, do I see the same thing happening that I did at the relay? Is this an open circuit between the PCM and the TIPM or maybe in the TIPM? Or is it the PCM that is releasing this ground to control the relay, causing the starter dropout? So I do this, crank the engine over, and I find out that it is in fact the PCM that is just dropping this ground back probed right at the PCM. So I'm not concerned about the circuit. And when the PCM drops the ground, I actually see the positive battery voltage from the tip. Okay. Now think about a relay coil. We're sending power in one side and on the other side should be a ground from the PCM, but without that ground, you'll see battery voltage through the relay coil all the way to the point where I'm measuring, which is at the PCM. It's an open circuit, okay? No current flow, no voltage drop. And so we see the voltage there. And what that signifies to me is that my circuit is intact all the way to the point where I'm measuring. That's really all I want to know. And it is, in fact, the PCM that is dropping the ground control to this relay. 
Okay, cool. So now, now we're on to something. I'm, I am going to be focused in on my PCM now, um, as opposed to the tipum because the tipum is the other half of the control there, but PCM's my guy. I'm going to look a little closer at him. So, uh, the next thing I want to do is take a look in my data stream on my scan tool while I'm cranking. And I want to go into the PCM and I want to find my crank request PID. And I didn't make a note on this, but I think there was something, I think there was a data PID for the starter relay command, whether it was on or off. I can't say that with hundred percent accuracy because this was a couple of weeks ago and I don't remember, but I pulled up any data PIDs that I could in the PCM that related to cranking. And I wanted to see, is it losing the crank request? Is it commanding that starter relay to turn off for some reason? And everything that I found in the data PIDs for this application, while I would crank it and it would drop out in and out, in and out, the data PID never changed states. It stayed yes or cranking or on for the relay, whatever it was that I saw. The data PIDs didn't indicate to me that this was an intentional shutdown of the circuit, but it definitely was. Okay. Um, the next thing I did was I did check the pin fitment for this circuit. It's a uh, green orange wire for starter control. And I just want to make sure there wasn't like a pin fitment issue at the PCM because I was back probed, um, but uh, check that. That was good. Uh, where do we go with this next? Um, at this point, I just want to make sure I'm not losing a power or a ground to the PCM while I'm cranking. Okay, maybe there's some voltage drop happening here with a body ground or a transmission ground. Something's happening there where the load from the starter is causing a voltage drop somewhere possibly and causing this module to shut down intermittently. Totally possible. Um, and that's kind of what I want to check. Plus, I just want to know that my powers and grounds are good to the control module. So I pull up my diagram, and I find that there are seven grounds to this module, seven different individual grounds. Some of them are a shared source. I, well, I guess you could say they're, they're all a shared source, the ground of the vehicle. But as far as ground points, like G107, uh, they share them, but there are seven individual circuits going into the PCM on different connectors. And you always want to look for that. All the grounds and all the power sources for a, for a particular control module might not be on one all on one connector. It could be on multiple connectors. And there's four of them on this PCM. It's your very standard Chrysler uh, four connector. Um, you, you could plug in so many different PCMs into these things that would be totally wrong for the application, but the connectors were all the same for many, many years. But anyways, uh, I got my seven grounds. And so I'm going to check those and I'm going to check them during the cranking problem, right? I don't want to just pull out a test light and check, you know, the seven grounds with it unplugged. That's not the same as actually loading the circuit while the problem's happening, right? And, and I could even do a headlight bulb to these grounds, and I think that would be pretty effective. But again, I want to see what's happening on those ground circuits while my problem is occurring, okay? Is there some sort of voltage drop while the starter is being activated um, that's affecting this circuit? And what I ended up finding, and I'm using the Pico here so I can do multiple channels at once, um, I did not lose ground in any way, shape, or form to that control module, uh, while this was happening, you know, the starter would drop out, it would release control, but 
I still had good ground on all my circuits, the PCM. So the next thing is powers. And there were five powers, although I don't think all five power circuits were necessarily needed for the PCM to crank. The reason I say that is some of these power feeds actually come from the automatic shutdown relay, which uh, if you're familiar with other applications, kind of like a PCM power relay, I guess, um, where it'll actually, the PCM turns on the relay and then the relay feeds power into the module that turned it on, which is kind of counterintuitive, but that's the way they set it up for a lot of things. Either way, I think some of those powers are unnecessary for cranking, but I checked them anyways. I just want to see, am I losing anything here as far as a power source into uh, this application? And what I found was we did not have any loss on any of those power circuits. All of those were good in the same way that all the grounds were good while the starter relay was dropping out. All right. In this moment, I think I had enough here to make a call. But what I want to look at before I'm 100% is look at this transmission issue too, right? So maybe there's something else going on. I don't want to tell them one thing and then ends up we need multiple components replaced. So I do want to check out this transmission. And so what I end up doing here is, and I'm shifting gears a little bit here without giving you a full solution, but there's a reason for that. So just stay with me. I now I'm going to actually get the vehicle to start and I want to see what's going on with the transmission because they said it was in limp mode, right? And what I ended up finding was, and I'm, I'm fairly familiar with these transmission setups on these Dodge vehicles. They seem to have a lot of trouble as far as code settings going into limp mode. And so how these work is there's a relay, again, in the tip um, that's going to feed both the PCM and the transmission assembly, right? So the transmission assembly is just a series of solenoids, gets power in on one wire, and then the PCM controls ground on all the rest. Very similar to other things out there. Um, this relay, again, is controlled by the PCM. It is ground controlled by the PCM. Well, much like my starter relay, once I start this engine and it starts running, it drops the ground to this relay. It's no longer turning on the PCM relay, which feeds power to the transmission. And I can't remember if it set a code while it was idling there or if I had to drive it. Um, there was some code pertaining to the transmission, but the PCM would drop this ground before any code would set. And I think it was the fact of actually driving it around that set the code. Now that I'm thinking about it, I apologize for not making perfect notes here, but either way, the PCM didn't seem to have a reason to drop the ground for this control relay, for the transmission control relay, if you want to consider it that. It's labeled as a PCM relay on the diagram, but uh, I'm going to consider it the transmission control relay. Okay, so that's where I'm going to leave this one. Uh, so rewind it, listen to it again if you need some of the details, but I was ready to make a call at this point. Maybe you are as well, or maybe there's some other tests or some other checks that you'd like to make here before you make your call on what's wrong. And if you do, I'd actually really like to hear about it. Okay. So check out that Facebook group and let me know on a 2009 Dodge journey with a three, five, 
given all the information I gave you, what do you do next? Do you got more tests or are you ready to replace a component? If so, what is it? All right, so that's the first one. Let's go to the second vehicle, which is also a Dodge. It's a little bit newer. It's a 2013 Dodge Durango Citadel. And uh, this one's got the 5.7 liter Hemi engine. And what do you know? Big shock. It was in the shop for worn cam roller and cam lobe. So they actually replaced the engine with a crate motor from this one. Actually, they said they put a used one in and uh, it uh, was just as bad as the first one. And so then they got a new motor for it. So they had done two motors uh, in this particular vehicle. But after they put in the new engine, it would no longer crank. Uh, This thing would not even turn over. And the original engine and the, the first one that they put in, the used one, they were actually able to get these started and run, but now it doesn't. And so, you know, they're thinking obviously that they did something, but they can't figure out what it is. They said they checked all the grounds and all the connections and everything, but it's still not cranking. Um, I'm thinking it was probably is going to be man-made. That's in the back of my head going into this, but we'll figure it out because uh, they're unable to pinpoint exactly why. Um, The other thing that they mentioned is they heard the throttle. Once you uh, put the key to the on position, and this is a push button start vehicle. uh, So it's got the Fabic style key, but it's got the push button on the dash. But once you turn it to the run position, you could hear the electric throttle clicking going Maybe that's not the right sound, but you get the idea. The throttle seemed to be pulsing in a very rhythmic manner, and it was audible. And this is any time the key was on, but this thing would not actually crank. It wouldn't run. And so I actually did check this out. I want to see, okay, what's are these symptoms correct? Obviously, it wouldn't crank. And I did hear that throttle that was clicking. I also observed, because I went under the hood while this was happening, not only was the throttle pulsing, but the ASD relay and the fuel pump relay, and including the fuel pump itself, were also pulsing right along with the throttle. So it was like they were being cycled on and off on about a one-second cycle, and it continued to happen as long as you had the key in the on position. Um, But again, would not crank. Okay, so obviously a code scan is a good idea here to see what we're dealing with. And I did have a lot of codes in this one and they actually had suspected the tip them is what they told me based off of the codes that they saw. And I can see why Um, I'm going to give you a rundown of some of the codes that I had in here. Um, There were many communication codes in many modules Um, But I'm going to give you the important ones, the ones that really pertain to leading me to my next test. So I had a U140E in a couple different modules. And what this code says is implausible vehicle configuration data received. All right. Now, breaking that down more, going to the code information, other modules on the vehicle like let's just say the ABS, for instance, gets configuration information from the TIPM under the hood, right? Our smart fuse box. And when it says it sees this code, it means that the configuration data that the TIPM has sent is just incorrect. It is not right. And so 
the fix for this code, according to the flowchart, is either replace the tipum or replace the module that's setting the code. So I, obviously, I'm not quite ready for that, but I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind. And that was in, I think, two or three different modules on the vehicle. Um, we also had a U0431, which was implausible data received from the tipum. And that was in a couple different modules. And finally, I had a U0100 in the TIPM itself that said lost communication with the PCM. Okay, so I kind of feel like we've got a network issue going on here, obviously, with all these U codes. And those are the ones that would come back and I could clear all these and they would come immediately back. And maybe that's why the PCM is, I don't know, pulsing the throttle because it has to be the PCM pulsing the throttle, activating the fuel pump, really all that stuff. But um, not really sure exactly what's going on. But I should note, I don't have any codes in my PCM, at least not by what I can see. And I'm just using my launch diag gun at this point. And one other note that I'll make here is the launch actually had trouble identifying the vehicle. Okay. So normally you're going to get your VIN um, out of your PCM. I believe that's true on most Chryslers, but it had a difficult time. I actually had to enter the vehicle information in where normally it would auto ID it off of the VIN. Um, again, kind of pointing towards a communication issue, but I'm not a hundred percent. I do try to communicate with all of these modules. Now, of course that happened during the DTC scan, but I actually went into some of these modules like the PCM and the tip them just to make sure, can I look at a data stream? Can I look at the codes in the individual modules? And, and I could actually the PCM, the tip them, ABS, all the ones that were setting codes, obviously I could talk to, and I didn't see anything on the list of modules that indicated that there was something missing, right? All the communication codes that had popped up saying implausible data from the TIPM or lost com with the ECM, I could talk to with my scan tool. So again, not 100% sure which way I'm going, still considering maybe some network issues, but I can talk to them with my launch. So it's considering accessing the network because you can't do it right at the DLC and to check the waveform. And I may still go that route, but I didn't do it at this point only because I can talk to everything with the scan tool. Now that doesn't mean that there couldn't be some errors on the network. Uh, definitely, definitely could be. But at this point, I just made the choice. I'm not going to go that route just yet. I'm going to pick one symptom and go with it. And I actually picked the, the same symptom as on the first one is why doesn't this crank? I'm going to go that route and see where it leads me. And it may have been the wrong choice to go this way. Maybe I should have jumped on the network right away, but I didn't feel like accessing the network because I was in the driver's seat and I'm like, uh, let's see what I can figure out through the scan tool uh, before I move on to uh, network diagnostics. So uh, first question here is who runs this starter relay? Because it's not operating at all. And I find out, again, very similar to the Dodge Journey. My starter relay lives in the TIPM. The TIPM controls the power side of that coil, and the PCM controls the ground side of the relay. Almost identical. I actually think it was the same color wire going from the PCM to the TIPM to ground the relay. Okay, so again, I'm going to check the data stream here to see, is there anything in either of these modules that would indicate that they are not operating the starter relay, right? Um, is it not receiving a crank 
request from something? Is there a module communication error uh, so that it's not able to see this? And this is where I actually discovered something kind of interesting here. Now, I mentioned I could talk to the PCM and all the modules and I could get codes out of it, but it did have trouble IDing the vehicle. Well, when I was in the data stream and I pulled up my crank request PIDs or the starter relay command data PIDs, when I was looking at the live data on my launch, it would blink in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And it was rhythmic, perfectly in sync with the pulsing of the throttle, the ASD relay, and the fuel pump relay. And I kind of mentioned before, it's almost like the power was being cycled to these components. And it almost appeared to be the same thing here is that the power or the on function of the module was cycling on off. It would just drop out to dashes on the um, actual data stream and then it would turn on and you'd see these. And I thought that was very strange and I'm going to go with that because it definitely seems to be, you know, has something to do with what's going on. Now, as far as the crank request showed, it did say yes. It did say that it was receiving a crank request, but um, after testing at that relay, it was in fact the PCM that was not grounding it. So again, very similar to what we saw with the um, journey. The journey's difference is it was actually attempting to operate that starter relay and then it would drop out. This one never even turned on. But again, I confirmed that there was no ground coming out of the PCM for that relay. And I also discovered that there was something weird going on when I looked at the data stream for the module. So again, I'm really interested to see what's going on with this module as far as the pulsing. How can I identify what's happening there? And again, it's like it's almost turning on and off. Or maybe it's dropping in and out of the bus. You know, again, I'm thinking network. I'm like, okay, I really should look at this and I was still stubborn and I still didn't really want to leave the driver's seat and go under the hood just yet. Uh, so what I did was I switched from using the launch and I actually pulled out the Y tech and I actually just happened to have a short term subscription for the Y tech, um, from another vehicle earlier in the week. So I was like, okay, let's, let's fire up the laptop. And the reason I wanted to do this is I wanted a visual representation of what was going on with the network and in particular the PCM on this vehicle. And if you've never used the YTech application before, it has a really awesome live network monitor. It shows you the network topology and it's going to show you all the modules that are equipped on that vehicle. It will show whether they're communicating or not uh, via different colors, either red, uh, I think it's blue or yellow, or maybe it's green and yellow. Uh, yellow would be a code and they'll have a lightning bolt over it if there's a flash. But anyways, for modules that are dropping in and out of the bus, this is a live monitor. Okay. So if I went to a module, I'm looking at the screen on my laptop, it's got a green module, it's communicating and I unplug that module, it'll immediately turn to red. Okay. So why I want to see this is I want to see is the PCM dropping in and out of this network? Is there other modules that are dropping off at the same time? What's happening with the network while this is happening? Now, again, I, I can also scope the network and I may get to that point, but 
I just want to do as much as I can from the driver's seat at this point. So what I see here is number one, the Y-Tech could not identify this vehicle. Again, can't pull the VIN out of this thing, which I thought was odd. And so I type in the VIN, just manually put it in, and it pulls up the Dodge. And I go to the network topology, and I see my PCM blinking on and off. It'll go red really quick. And it was a very brief period of time. It would come on. And then just as soon as it would come on, it would turn back off and it would keep doing this as long as the key was in the on position. Now, none of the other modules showed this happening, only the PCM. So this is kind of confirming what I was thinking that the module is being turned on and off rapidly. Now, again, it could be dropping off the bus. I suppose that's possible. And I'll need to check for that, but it definitely seems like the module is power cycling over and over and over again. Oh, and one more thing to note, <laughs> I couldn't even pull up a data stream using the Ytech um, because of the module, how it was resetting. It would not even show me the data stream, whereas my launch would. I thought that was kind of odd, but um, didn't really matter too much to me at the in the moment. So my next goal here is to go to the PCM and I need to monitor three separate items. I need to look at the CAN bus to make sure that is intact while it's dropping out. Then I need to look at powers and grounds to this module. So I do this, I look at the CAN bus network, looks great. Okay, There's no issue on that CAN bus that I can see to cause that PCM to drop off of it. And that's just two wires using the U-scope. Okay, I'm good to go there. The next thing is the powers and grounds, much like the other PCM that we're looking at. Now, this one has six grounds. Again, two different connectors. So we need to make sure that we're checking all of these and we want to check it while it's plugged in, loaded to see are we losing a ground. And I'm really thinking we might find something like that because this is a weird issue. This is a very strange thing this PCM is doing, cycling in and out. And they had two engines in this thing and it worked before. So I'm really thinking like, Ground issue is is my first thought. They they just don't have something in the right spot or it's on the back of a cylinder head or bell housing or something like that and they missed it. But I find all my grounds are good. I have all my grounds to this module. And then I check my powers. And again, there are four power feeds to this thing that it needs to operate and none of those drop out. And again, I'm checking pin fitment here. I'm checking the circuits while they're connected to the module so it's loaded and I don't have any dropout on any of these okay great battery voltage to everything so this is actually where I'm going to leave this one as well and there was some more checks that I made on this particular vehicle before I made my call but given the information that I've given you and again you can rewind it listen to the details again so you have all the steps what else would you have done so again, I know I'm kind of leaving you hanging on both of these without a solution, without a resolution to the problem. But the reason is, is I'm actually really interested to hear from everyone that's listening to see what are your thoughts, where would you go next? What else would you test? And maybe it's the same thing I tested. Maybe it's not. Maybe you have a completely different mindset on this, and I'd like to hear that. Um, but if it is something I tested, I'll definitely share the results of what it was. And this isn't really like a mystery to keep you guessing as to what fixes this car or cars. It's 
more of uh, getting us to share our diagnostic mindsets, and we can do this through the Facebook group. Um, again, just interested to know what direction would you have gone with this next on both the 09 journey and the 2013 Dodge Durango. And uh, once we get some discussion going and some people talking, I'm thinking I'll probably announce uh, the fixes for both of these vehicles on next week's episode. Uh, so you'll have all this week uh, to uh, post up whatever you'd like, and we'll have some great discussion on that. But I'm going to leave it there for today. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening and all the great feedback that I've been getting. Really appreciate it. Other than that, let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.